Hi, and welcome to the LDV Podcast. I'm David Maldo, and I want to share some highlights of a keynote I recently presented at the AVI Live event in Minneapolis, sponsored by AVI Systems. The team at AVI Systems wanted something different from the typical keynote presented by a vendor with a solution to pitch. So they asked me to present a keynote that didn't focus on technology, but instead talked about end user expectations, needs, and workflows. They also said they wanted me to have some fun with it, so I brought a guitar and some Mardi Gras beats to make my points. I really hope you enjoy these highlights, and the video of the full session is available as well up on our YouTube channel. All right, thanks everyone for joining me here today for our session, Smells Like Team Productivity, Finding Your Workflow Nirvana. Uh, before we start, I just want to thank the locals. I've really been enjoying your city. I walked around yesterday. It's, it's really nice here. And you know, it says something about a city when you go into the hotel and in the bathroom on the wall is mounted a beer bottle opener. So I thought that was a, a good sign. <laughs> so from the end user's perspective, it's kind of like it's 2017. We have flying robots and electric cars. Technology is magic, it's easy, and we can do anything. Now, I know that perspective is a little bit unfair. It is hard to make it work before they cut off my sound for saying everyone's job is easy, but it's a perspective thing. And I have a little story to explain what I mean by that. Uh, back in the 1960s, there were no automatic doors. When you went to the grocery store, you had to push the door open and pull your cart through. And the first time a lot of people saw an automatic door was on Star Trek, the original William Shatner Star Trek. And one day a hospital administrator was watching that show and he saw you know, Captain Kirk boldly walking forward and the door just whoosh, opens and he walks through it and whoosh, it just closes. And the administrator said, I need this in my hospital. We have patients with limited mobility. We have staff pushing equipment. If the doors just open, this would really change things. So he wrote a letter to Star Trek. He said, hey, explain the situation. I'm a hospital administrator. How did your automatic doors work? What's the technology behind it? And Star Trek wrote back and said, oh, we're happy to help. The way the automatic doors work is we have a prop guy who stands off camera. And when the actor walks towards the door, the prop guy goes, Whoosh! and then when he walks through, he goes Whoosh! again. So the point is, it's not magic. I know it's hard work to get all this stuff to work. But from your user's perspective, they don't know that we, the IT AV community, are that prop guy behind the door. So they're expecting a little bit more from us. So these are desire paths. And you can see exactly what I'm talking about. If you look at this one on the left, obviously whoever designed that corner intended for people to walk along the sidewalk and look at the nice pretty grass in the middle. And the people said, we don't want to do it that way. We want to walk across the grass. And you can see that path was not designed by any engineer. It's this nice organic curve. There's no straight lines, there's no right angles. And it's, it, the width of it shows how much foot traffic there is. This is a perfect visualization of people's workflow getting around this corner. And similar on this one, obviously people are cutting across the grass on their bikes to park at the bike rack. Whoever designed this area wants people to drive around. They don't want people walking across the grass, but that's what people are doing. Now the first instinct when you see a desire path might be to say, users are doing it wrong. I'm not gonna let them do it wrong. We're gonna put a, a sign up that says don't walk on the grass. We're gonna put a fence up. We're gonna put hedges in the way. But you know what? People can ignore signs and people can jump over fences and, or go around hedges. It, it's hard to make people work the way you want them to work. 
So what I suggest, instead of, not, instead of telling them to do it your way, we help them do it their way. We take their desire paths and we smooth it down for them. Now, you see a lot of campuses like this. And you can see the paths between the, the, the buildings. I think this is SIU. Um, these are very organic. No engineer designed these. There's no straight lines. There's no right angles. What happened is, and what a lot of colleges do, they just plant the grass. They don't put any paths down. They wait a few semesters, and they see where the faculty and students walk, and they see those desire paths form, and then they pave them down. So what they're saying is, is this the way you want to work? Fine. Not only do we allow it, we're going to make it easier for you. We're going to smooth it, pave it down. We're going to make it wonderful for you. If there's any one image that sticks in your mind from this presentation, I'd love it to be this, because this is what we should be doing for our working teams. Their workflow, our expertise to make it better for them. This is a little uh, side story, but it's a lesson I learned at my first Mardi Gras. I lived in New Orleans for 10 years, and this kind of, you'll see how it, how it applies. But I went to my first parade, and I was really excited. My friends were, oh, David's going to his first Mardi Gras parade, you can have so much fun. And I got there on the parade route, and there's kids, and there's families, and there's food, and there's drinks, and there's music, and I'm having a great time. And the parade starts, and the floats come by, and all of a sudden, I see flying through the air Mardi Gras beads. I go, oh, great. So I put them on, and, and my apologies to the sound guy, the next few minutes might be a little rough. Hey, I got some Mardi Gras beads. And then a few minutes later, flying through the air, oh, there's another one. So I put it on. And as the day went on, you don't realize it, but you're putting on more and more, every few minutes, another Mardi Gras bead. Until by the end of the day, you could barely move your neck. They were loaded up to here. And I'm having so much fun. And my friend said to me after two parades, after eight hours, David, come on, we're going down to the French Quarter. We're hitting the jazz clubs. We're dancing all night. And I said, I am not. <laughs> I'm done. You wore me out. You win. I lose. I'm going back to my place and I'm going to sleep. And my friend said, oh, that's right. It's your first Mardi Gras. Let me show you a trick. David, take off the beads. Take off my Mardi Gras beads. I've been catching these all day. <laughs> Trust me, David, take off the beads. Just for a second. Okay. Oh, whoa. It felt like I took 20 pounds of weight off my shoulders. I didn't realize. Because individually, they're hollow plastic. They don't weigh anything. You put one more on, you put one more on, you put one more on, you don't notice. By the end of the day, you're carrying all this weight. And when you take it off, I was like, yeah, I'm going to the French Quarter. Yeah, we're hitting the jazz clubs. I had this burst of energy. Now, if you put all these beads on your team at the beginning of the workday, they would not be as productive for you. I think your virtual teams have the equivalent of these invisible Mardi Gras beads that they're walking around with all day and not noticing the burdens. Here's, and it's our jobs to find them for them. Now, here's some examples. Uh, the first team we're going to look at is my team, my favorite team, Let's Do Video. And we are a remote team. And I want to give a few quick stories to explain how remote we are. We're about to celebrate our third anniversary. And recently I met, it's a small team of three, I met one of my team members for the first time. And we meet every day, or almost every day on video, sometimes for hours. And we're really close in the team and we work together and, and we're friends. You know, we know each other. Um, 
but my CTO, Anna, was traveling and had a layover in a New York nearby airport. So I went there to meet her for lunch. I didn't think anything of it. But when I got there, we both freaked out. It was weird. I was like, you're three-dimensional. You're not supposed to be three-dimensional. What's going on? And she's only seen me from here to here. She's like, you have legs? I don't want to see that. This is so weird. And, and it, it's like, how did we build a company? We've never been in the same room together before. We have a real remote team. And I don't think five, ten years ago, I could have built a company completely remote. Um, so the story behind Nirvana is the way Kurt Cobain liked to get things done. His desired workflow was intense teamwork. If you go on the web, you could find the letter that he wrote to his previous drummer firing him because he wouldn't rehearse enough. And one day, um, Kurt Cobain was sitting around playing with riffs, and he was playing with that old Boston riff, uh, More Than a Feeling. It's a great riff. He was thinking, I'm going to change that a little bit and make it my own. So he took it down a little bit, changed the tempo a little bit, and he came up with... It's like, there's something there, but I don't have the song yet. So he brought in his drummer, and he brought in his bassist, and he said, we are going to play this for 10 hours straight, all day, until we figure it out. And so for 10 hours... And at the end, what they came up with was magic. And they didn't require a lot of support. Their amps had to work, their guitars had to stay in tune. That's not the point. The point is they did it the way they wanted to do it, and it changed the world of music. It's like all of a sudden we stopped using hairspray and started wearing flannels. It was amazing. <laughs> so anyone have any questions? Any requests? <laughs> Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Thank you, David. I love that keynote.